Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. This has been a week. I have had no idea what day it is, like, at all, most <laughs> this week. I had one last class for the semester, and now I'm in the midst of grading every research paper on the planet. So whenever you're listening to this, know that I have no idea what the date is, and I'm tired of reading research papers. It's two days after your birthday, so that should help. Yeah, this is my birthday week, and it was really great. Um, I mean, I didn't do like anything super crazy. I got a new nose ring. I got my chagas pierced. Um, hung out with some friends. Those are always good things. Jason got me a big Lego Harry Potter set, which I haven't got to finish putting together because, gosh, those dumb students keep sending me work. Yeah, how dare them send you work for the classes that they paid for. Hey, I may have been paying for them. I just want to point out that some of my students are there on scholarship, so. That's true. That's true. Anyway, so because of that, I'm not going to rush today's episode, but... Time is of the essence because I have to finish grading, but we didn't want to leave y'all hanging high and dry. So we are giving you another great episode this week. So let's get it kicked off with news, crowdfunding, Kickstarter, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to talk about a couple of Kickstarters today. The first one, it's just heartbreaking to talk about because I know we're never going to own it unless, I don't know, we find like a, a copy that fell off a truck somewhere and <laughs> got beaten up or something. I'm not sure. But the first game I want to talk about is Weather Machine. This is by Uncle Vital. Uh, Eagle Griffin Games is putting it out. Artwork by Ian O'Toole. I actually know everything about this game as far as who made it, who the artist is, um, who designed it. I mean... I, just looking at the picture of the board, holy crap, amazing. So this is kind of thematically about um, the scientist. I think he has a name like Dr. Professor Lativ, um, who is like, oh, yeah, make this weather machine. and We're not going to have any more natural disasters. Well, the problem is when you run the weather machine and you mess with the weather, it creates a butterfly effect and other things get affected. So um, in the game, you're kind of these scientists that are going in and trying to make a new prototype and fix the problems that the first weather machine created. So you've got scientists that you're moving around. You've got bots. You're trying to get funding um, to do these things. The weather machine is continuing to run. Um Gosh, it's got these awesome dual layer player boards with all this cool stuff that goes in them. It looks amazing. It looks uh, freaking amazing. In true Vital fashion, it looks um, complex. Heavy? Yes. Yeah, heavy and complex. It is yeah. super heavy. It also has like a solo mode where you've got like these saboteurs that you're like trying to work against and they're these adorable meeples. Oh my gosh, the shaped meeples, the shaped meeples in this thing. The scientists and the bots and you've got chemicals and you've got even the little professor Lativ and his assistant and his own bots and the research tokens are shaped like these books with different symbols on them. And you've got awards that you can win while you're doing your work and citations and government markers and the Nobel Prize and things are locked. And it just looks so freaking good. Um, just amazing. $25 all in, right? That I'm down for that. That would be amazing. But that will get you um, metal uh, a tokens. Meeple. A meeple. Right. Um, there are eight days left in this Kickstarter. Kickstarter. The base pledge is $129, which I honestly don't think is that bad for everything that you get. No, that's insane. It's insane. And it's a VTAL game, and it looks so good, and there's all these shaped parts, and the artwork is gorgeous, and you get the solo version, and you... Oh, man. But it, yes, no. it's a lot because the Griffin. One hundred twenty nine dollars is insane. Plus, probably forty dollars in shipping. Yeah, it's because it's a big old fat box like Vital likes to have. Another interesting thing though about this campaign is they're also on the Kickstarter. They have all of his other games, Kickstarter versions available to order. 
That's cool. So there's On Mars, Alien Invasion, Regular On Mars, Kanban EV, Escape Plan, Lisboa, Vinos, Gallerist, Mercado de, de Lisboa. You can get all those through the backer kit, which I think is pretty cool. That is cool. In case you missed out on those other ones. And you have a, a couple $2,000 laying around. <laughs> right. You got nothing better to do with your money. Or you could send us a copy. Um, I would yeah. name my firstborn child after you. She would know. We'll just change your name. It's fine. <laughs> I was like, too late. We already did that. Um, but if you like VTAL, this looks so good. I think that the theme is really interesting. It kind of reminds me of like the Avengers movie um, where Sean Connery plays like this weather guy that it's like messing with the world's weather. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I was like, no, that Avenger is not that, but the other Avengers, the, the British other Avengers. Avengers. Yeah. yeah, based on the TV show. Um, it just looks really, it's just really good. So check that out. Eight days left on that Kickstarter. $129 for what looks like a really freaking solid game. You can post pictures of it and we'll just drool in envy. And, and I'll block you. No, I won't let him block you. Please post <laughs> them. I will live vicariously through you. The next game is much more Jason's uh, price point. Because it's a roll and write. <laughs> That's true. However, this is a roll and write that comes with um, like special dice just for the game. Custom dice. And it is called Snack Time. So in Snack Time, your score sheets, the sheets that you're marking on, right, are a sewer system. <laughs> and a sewer system and then also these little squares where you develop monsters. So you're like gathering... Um, these traits for different monsters, they're different limbs and things. And then you're going to guide them through the sewer so that they can munch on pedestrians um, who are just going about their uninteresting lives, walking past a manhole and you will, your creature will reach out and take a little bite. And so you're trying to get your creatures full without getting caught because, you know, after some of the players are kind of, or the pedestrians are might be important and they'll send the, the five O out after you. So you've got to kind of avoid them because they're going to set traps um, to try and capture your monster. So you're trying to snack on people and not get caught um, in order to get the most points. It's, I think it's a really hilarious theme and like super cute. Um, so there's nine days left in this Kickstarter and it's just 25 bucks for the game. You sure that the Eagle Griffin one's not 25 bucks and the other one's 129? Believe me, if it, if I wish it, I wish it were. <laughs> I would back... Um, weather machine 10 times at $25 and be selling those bad boys like crazy. No, I was like, if you'd back it 10 times, you might as well just buy it regular right now. No, because I got a good deal on $25. Oh my gosh, stop it. So, score sheets and custom dice, and you've got like 30 cards which have all your different pedestrians that are coming out. Um, it looks like a fun little game. So, that if you like roll and rights, or even if you're looking kind of for a different type of roll and write. Um, snack time sounds really fun. So, um, this is by Backfire Games. Nine days, $25. Cool. Yep. And that's all I have for Kickstarter news today. All right. So we played a few games this week. Um, the day before Katie's birthday, she played some games with me and we played two games at two players. And the first game is a game that I don't know if Katie had ever played before, but she at least watched me play it with somebody. And it's called Spirits of the Wild. So this is a two-player-only game from Mattel. It was actually on, I think, my top 100 list. I'm pretty sure. And what you're doing in this is you are trying to gather stones to create different constellations. I don't know if you're like a god or something, but you're putting stars in place for constellations is effectively what it is. But the way you're doing that is you're drafting these little, like, marbly, rubber marble things, and you're putting them on a player board in certain patterns, like... The owl may want uh, three different pairs of colors or three pairs of colors, all different colors. Uh, you might have to get every different color in the game, which there are six. You may have to get a three of a kind and a two of a kind of a color. Then once you've done all that, you're going to score some points. Then there's these clear stones that once you put that down in a section, it doubles your score, but you're no longer allowed to put any of the other colored stones in that section. So it's kind of, uh, you know... I got pretty good points here. I can double it. But if I go a little bit longer, I could get all the points. But then I might not have the clear stone to be able to double it. That kind of thing. And there's this fox that comes and like blocks some areas off and keeps you from being able to play stones. And that's the game. Plays in about 20 minutes. Uh, trying to get the most points. 
So, since we played this, I like it a lot. What did you think about this one? Because I'm not sure if you played it before, and I still don't know if you said you played it before, but yeah, not sure. I have played it before, just definitely not as much as you. Um, I liked it. I think it's good. I think it's fun. It is a quick, simple little game. Um, but trying to use like your cards effectively and when to flip them over and what kind of spirit power card you're going to use and when to use it at the right time. I think that's really cool. And it's kind of dictated by when these clear stones come out. Um, so you're always kind of trying to push to get the most points because you don't never know when it's going to be over. It's definitely one of those that you play once you're like, oh, okay, let's do it again. Cause it was, it's just quick. I really liked it. I just want to point out that I just spanked you so bad at it. It's awesome. I honestly don't know if I've ever won this game. I usually get stomped at it really bad. I don't, I just couldn't get any of those crystal, like clear stones. Every single time one would come out, it would be at the end of my turn. And then they were all there for you to take. But I felt like you were like putting more stones on your thing. Yeah. But if you don't get the clear ones, who cares? Cause that doubles the score. I guess that's true. I don't know. It was fun. And I, for me, this game is really pretty. Like, it's nice to look at. It has really pleasing colors to it. It um, The artwork's nice. It's very soothing. I feel like this is a nice, relaxing game to play with another person. So I really liked it. All right. So the next game we played is a game that we like a lot. But Katie never played the expansion of it. So we wanted to do that. And that is the Bloody Inn. And we played with the Carnies and the Events. There's like four or five different modules in the Carnies expansion, and we played the Carnies and the Events modules. Um, and what this game is, is you are, people are coming into your inn, and they're renting a room. Little do they know, over the night, they're probably going to get killed. Or bribed to join, you know, the evil people, so then you can go kill more people. Then you're going to be burying the people under some buildings that you built to earn money. Uh, it's that's that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to kill people, bury them, recruit people to use them to help you kill and bury people to score the most money because that's your points at the end of the game. Uh, you got to be careful though because if you have unburied bodies and the cops are still in the hotel in the morning, you could uh, you're gonna have to pay the grave digger to get rid of the body and you're gonna lose some money. Uh, it's just it's an interesting game and the carnies basically just add new varieties like they'll give you some trailers that can come out next to the main board for more people to stay in. Um, there's like a dwarf that you can turn sideways and he can take up room in an already full building that's full of dead bodies. Cause you know, he's a dwarf. There are some twins that when you bury them, they take up two rooms. There's a bearded lady that they have to be built in another person's building. So it like, they'll get half your money, but then you're clogging up some of their buildings that they can use for dead bodies. And then the events, they just slap you around. Most of them are bad. There are a couple of good ones, but they're pretty bad. And if at any point at the end in the morning and the rounds over, if there's a carny left in the inn, the event happens. So that's kind of what the expansion adds. So what did you think about Bloody Inn with the carnies and the events? I think the events added like a whole new kind of urgency in some ways to what's happening. Although because I just felt like we got a lot of bad events and I'm like, why is why are they so mean? They're mostly uh, bad. There's a couple nice ones, but they're mostly bad. So I mean that's okay. I wouldn't mind more of a mix of different types. I like that the carnies themselves have different things happening. But for me, like, this game is, like, I just don't have enough time. And I know that's kind of part of it. And I I realize that that's important. But I, I just need, like, one more action. Because you, I just feel like you can't ever get enough cards in your hand to really do stuff. Yeah, two actions per round is really tough because some of the actions you have to do are picking up cards or earning money, turning money from the board into money that you can't lose. Yeah, it's like it, it's tough. Yeah, it's it's still really fun and I like it a lot. Like it is it for what you have to do. It, it really is kind of a thinky little game as far as how you maximize what you're doing since you only get those two actions around. Um but yeah, I, I liked it still. It was good. It was really good. Yeah, eventually I want to play with some of the other events. There's like, a, you can switch out the green cards with these better green cards. I don't think they're called nobles or something. And then you can get these cards that you can play at certain points to give you bonuses and stuff, which is pretty interesting. But yeah, I, I enjoy the Bloody Inn. I think it was in both of our top 100s, or at least on videos. I know that we've talked about it a yeah. couple times already. So if you haven't played Bloody Inn, check it out. It's crazy art. Um, gruesome theme, but based on some real history, which is pretty interesting. So those are the two games we played. Let's move on. 
All right, so we are still working on our top 100 games of all time. And we are now going through the 30s. Um, these games, super good. Um, actually, Jason and I don't have any overlap in this set, which is weird. Um, but you'll see games that one or the other, other of us has mentioned before that we like. Um because we play a lot of the same games. We just like them in different degrees. So um, let's get started with the games in our 30s. And we love all these games. All right. So I'll start with my number 40. And that is a two-player version of a game that I don't think either one of us really like. Ugh. But the two-player version is incredible. That's why it's my number 40. And it's called Seven Wonders Duel. Um, and this is just the base game. I don't even think you need the expansions. We have one of the expansions, but... Just the base game by itself would still be this high on my list because it's fun. And what you're doing in this is you're basically drafting cards off of this like pyramid or different shape that's in the middle. Some of the cards are face up, some of the cards are face down. When you take a card off the pyramid, you're going to score points based on what the card does. It could be some blue, which is like civilization points. There's military that's going to move you up on a track. There's science. All the same stuff from Seven Wonders are, are in this. But then when you reveal a card, it's going to flip any cards that are face down underneath it. So your opponent has access to those cards. So you're trying to get cards that you need, but you're also trying to not set up your opponent with some cards that they really need. So there's a puzzle there. And then you can still have like a science victory if you get so many science icons. If you get all the military to your opponent's side, you're going to beat them militarily. But normally the game would just go till you've played through, I think, three rounds. And then whoever has the most points is the winner. But there are... You can win with science, and you can win with military. Um, so this is... I like this version way better. I think the, it's easier to teach. It looks cooler. I, I like the way the cards are laid out on the table. I think the the military makes way more sense in this. You're not scoring points to the people who are to your left and to your right. And then if you have so many more than this person, it's just... It's less clunky. It's smoother. And I like it a lot more. So that's why it's my number 40, Seven Wonders Duel. I like this game. It's... We'll probably talk about it in the Facebook Live. Um, and I think it's ranked so low for me uh, is because it's a two-player only game. And I like to play with everybody. But the regular Seven Wonders sucks. So I don't want to play with everybody that bad. <laughs> That's true. Because you can play with seven everybody's in that one. Yes. But the game is bad. So I'm like, I don't care if it's the seven everybody's. I'd rather play with two. Uh, my number 40 is a game that at first I was like, oh, no. I think this game sucks. And I, and I think it's because it's in like that T-series, right? Is it in that T-series? Yeah, the T-series from Board and Dice, yep. Because I really did not like Taya Tawakin at all. I think that game's terrible. And someone tried to convince me to give it another try, so I will. But after playing this game, I couldn't get it out of my head. And we played it several times since then. And I really like it. And that's Tekenu, Obelisk of the Sun. Um, so in this game, gosh, I wish I understood the theme. You're using crazy stuff like <laughs> you're collecting um different types of goods to build like on this layout some statues and stuff and the temple you're um like i don't you're just putting like i don't this is terrible normally i care about the theme but i'm like just putting stuff on these different places on the board like yeah you're building up <laughs> egypt or something i i don't know what the theme is i have no idea yeah um but you're doing this through dice placement, which I really like. And the dice placement is really regulated by the turning of the obelisk. And you can, so you kind of get dice in certain places and certain types of dice based on this like random rotation that's happening. And so you may really want to do something in a certain area of the board, but you can't because you don't have any dice to choose from to make the action happen. Um, and so there's ways to like mitigate the dice and like change the rolls and stuff. So you can maybe get more, um, of like a certain resource or be able to use a certain area, but that's not always the case. And so, um, I feel like this is kind of a game where you're making the most of what's out there. And it's one of those that there's so many different ways to score points. There's some also card set collection you can do some end of game scoring cards that you can pick up, um, and some building, like there's just a lot of different things that you can pursue in this game. And I, I, of course, you all know, I really love that. And 
since I love dice placement and this is kind of maybe a little bit freer of a dice placement game. I like that. I really like that. And I, I happen to like, you know, the Egyptian theme that I'm glad I'm, it's, I'm seeing it done more. And this, I think it's done really well here, even though I clearly don't understand how the theme applies. The obelisk is cool. It's not just a gimmick. Um, it makes the game interesting. It changes things up. It allows you to kind of, um, you know, just like mix up your turns and like, well, I guess I can't go there and do what I wanted to do. So, hey, let's take some cards or let's figure out how I can um, exchange these resources. And I, I just think that's really great about the game. So uh, that was a terrible Jason explanation of Tekenu, but uh, it's like a, it's it's a little bit heavy, but not overwhelmingly so. So I, I encourage you guys to check it out. I think this is underrated. So my number 40, Tekenu, Obelisk of the Sun. Yeah, I'll do my explanation of it Explanation of it in a few weeks, so we'll see. Ooh, that high, huh? Yep. Um, so my number 39 is a game. It's new. Like, we just got this at a con this year, and it's called the Belgian Beers Race. I don't know if it's just, like, hype or whatever, call to the new, but I really like this game. All it is is a game about traveling around Belgium, visiting different breweries, Tasting beer, tasting cheese, and buying beer, and trying to get back to the Grand Palace over the course of three days. That's it. Um, you're trying to hitchhike rides. You may ride from drivers. You're trying to ride the bus. Sometimes you get drunk on the bus. You may even take a ride your bike, which will help you ride some of your previous drinking off, as long as you're not too drunk. Um, if you get too drunk, you can pass out, which is pretty interesting. If you meet up with a new player, you can give them a toast, and then you know maybe get them too drunk and they pass out, which is happened to me and that's not fun um but yeah it's a good game it's a race game effectively you're racing around belgium trying to get the most points and make it back to the palace first there's some goals that you can achieve during the way there's some point cards and everything you do is points there's just points everywhere so tracks and points and racing i like it i think the theme is cool there's not a lot of games that have that theme really which i'm not even yeah it's surprising i mean i'm not a big drinker at all but i think the theme is still cool so I, I, I appreciate that. So my number 39, the Belgian Beers Race. Yeah, I'll actually talk about this one in a couple weeks. The more oh, I play it, nice. the, the more I like it. It's yeah. it's super fun. It's good. It's better with more people, too. I, I will say that as well. Yes. Uh, my number 39 is a game that I don't know how I got this high. I don't know if I meant it to be this high, but I don't know what else to replace it. Um, it's Furnace. So Furnace is brand new to us. Um I think I like it so much because I do love a good engine builder. And that's what Furnace is all about. So you're collecting these different machines, I guess. Yeah, different factories, yeah. And they're producing um, these different goods. I don't know what all girls' goods are. Coal and some metal and other stuff. Stone, maybe. I don't know. But then you're also wanting to get other factories that convert those things into eventually points. That's what you want. Um, it reminds me of Fantastic Factories in a way, but I like this one better. And I don't know if it's because they have this really great auction mechanic where you're trying when you everyone has a certain number of auction markers and they are different numbers and you cannot place more than one of your numbers on a machine. So you're wanting to get these certain machines in your tableau, but also if you don't get the machine, you get some resources, which sometimes is something that you want even more than the actual machine. And so kind of like playing that out, like, ooh, I want to put this kind of lowish number here because I want these resources and you get like the multiplication of the number of the resources by what you put on there. So you, you were like, well, I don't want to put a one cause I want more than one, but if no one overbids me, then I end up with this machine. I don't get the resources necessarily unless I run the machine. Um, I think there's a lot of possibility for this. I enjoyed it just on like an initial play at two players. I did not mind it at all. I'd be interested to play it with more. Um, the artwork's kind of boring, but I, I just really like this. I, this may be like a f- inflated number. This may be fake news and it may like tank next year, but I was kind of impressed by it, but I think it's because I had really low expectations. Whereas I know other people had the opposite effect and they expected a lot from it and they played it and they're like, eh, but I expected nothing and I actually enjoyed it. So my number 39 is furnace. Yeah. My only expectation of this was, wow, that's a $50 game. No way. That's all I, I knew about it. 
Right. And then we got it for not $50 and it was okay. It was good. Yeah. Yep. It was good. So my number 38 is a game that we got to cover on the channel. And then we got a fancy deluxe Kickstarter sent to us, which is even better. And it is called Paris. This is from Game Brewer, Kramer and Kiesling. This is their game. And effectively what you're doing is you are building up the districts around, what's that called? The Arc de Triomphe? Is that Arc what it is? de Triomphe. The Triumphant Arc. Um, and the way that that works is every time on your turn, if there's a tile that is still on the tile stack, which is basically a different location building at these locations, you have to build it. You take it and you're putting it on the appropriate space on the board. So as you play, you're getting more and more spaces to go. So at the beginning of the game, there's, you know, there's more stuff you can do, but there's also less places to go. But then at the end of the game, the board is all filled up but then you don't have money to be able to go where you need to go because you're trying to get these keys on these different locations. You're doing a little bit of area control. You're trying to collect different resources so you can build up these big um, like landmarks on these spaces because they're worth more points for the area control. You're trying to earn money because money is tight. Um, you're trying to unlock different keys. You're trying to just You're trying to just do the most that you can with the money and the keys that you have to score the most points at the end of the game. That sounds easy, and it's easy to play. But when you get to the end, it becomes this brain-burning puzzle of, oh, man, I really need to go here. I don't have any money. Uh, I'll just take one of these stupid flags. It might give me some money. It never gives me money. I'll wait till my next turn. I'll take another stupid flag. I still don't get any money. And eventually, once these flags are gone, the game's over, and whoever has the most points is the winner. Uh, it looks amazing on the table. It has really nice bits. It has a cool track at the top where you're going to move around Takedo style to get some bonuses. You can go as far as you want forward but never go back, that kind of thing. It's good. Not everybody that we played it with likes it because it kind of messes with your brain a little bit as you go forward, but I like it quite a bit. So my number 38, Paris. Yeah, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's good. I love it. It's pretty on the table. Good times. Uh, my number 38 is a combo of all the different versions of this game, and some I like better and some I don't as much. So it averaged out. So my number 38 is Clank. Um, so Clank is a deck builder that has a board. And I've played a lot of the different varieties. I've played the regular game. I've played Clank in Space. I've played some Mummy's Curse one, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I've and a lot of what I've played is the Acquisitions Incorporated version, the Clank Legacy. I played through two campaigns of that, and it was so freaking good. I love deck builders, and I like then that. You've got, wait, like, I've got these cards, and now I'm physically seeing what those cards are saying to me and, like, doing for my character. As opposed to when you play a normal deck builder, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. I punch this guy. But you don't really. But on this board, you're like, oh, I'm going to move. And then I'm going to buy this, like, actual buys. Um, it's funny. There's really great flavor text on stuff that they throw in there. Um there's a lot of luck with how Clank gets drawn out and you're like, ooh, can I go farther? Can I get more? How am I doing on the points? Getting cards that work together. Like, it, it's just so fun. It's so good. If you like Clank at all and you haven't played Acquisitions Incorporated, dude, what are you waiting for? Like, it, it made a legacy experience actually worth it. I think, and I, yeah, I had no problem playing it twice with different groups of people, still not hardly remembering anything that happened, and it still was fun, and it, we did different things, and each time, it's so good, um, so my number 38 is Clank. Yeah, I agree, and we'll probably visit this in a little while. Uh, my number 37 is a Days of Wonder game. I think you've already talked about it. I have. But I like it better than you, because it has one of my favorite elements in it and that's push your luck and this is called deep blue so this is a game where you're taking on the role of these two different ships and you're trying to move around the the ocean to go to different dig sites to collect gems and different kinds of artifacts and the way that you're doing that is when you get to a site you're going to be pulling um crystals out of this bag and if you get too many black crystals which are sea monsters you can bust unless you have some defense or if you get too many blue crystals which are oxygen like you're taking, you're losing oxygen, you can bust as well. So you're trying to get all the valuable crystals and gems before sea monsters attack you too much or you lose too much oxygen. And you're, you're doing that over the course, I think there's like, I don't know, 20-some tiles. You have to explore all these tiles to get these four compass forbidden city tiles out. And then um, 
whoever has the most points that they've achieved from drawing the crystals and gems out of the bag is the winner. That's effectively the game. There's a little bit of deck building because you're buying some cards that you're going to be using as your crew and stuff to help you achieve the goals, make your crystals worth more points and all that kind of thing. Defending against sea monsters give you more oxygen. But at its heart, it's a push-your-luck game, and I like it. So my number 38 or 37, Deep Blue. Yeah, this is in the first episode of Top 100, and I it has it is growing on me. The more I play it and find my own way to play it, I like it. There's no own way. You just mooch off people. That is my way. That's not everybody else's way, but that's my way, and it's effective, <laughs> or it has been. That's true. You won last time. I'm doing that. It was fun, and also like it just also angers people. <laughs> and I also love that too. That's true. It, it is. It is maddening. Like you didn't even do anything, and you're freaking winning. <laughs> it's fun. I like to thwart everybody's expectations. Uh, my number 37 is a game I avoided for a long time, and everyone said, Katie, you need to play this, especially Chris. He went on and on like, you would like this game. It's not really about space. Quit being dumb about it. That's my Chris impression. I hope he hears this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's the kind of thing he says to me all the time. And it's true. I really like this game, and the more I play it, the more I like it. And the new version is not as good. I don't care what people say. And that's Terraforming Mars. So the Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, everyone was like, oh, you're just going to replace Terraforming Mars. You're wrong. It doesn't. Um, it's fine if you've never played Terraforming Mars. Or if Terraforming Mars seems overwhelming to you, sure, get Ares Expedition. However, I find it lacking. I like all the different things you can do. So Terraforming Mars, it's like a tableau builder, hand management I kind of thing. There's lots of stuff going on in this, but you are playing cards to help um, generate stuff. Uh, there's specific stuffs, but there's all different kinds of stuffs. Um, Just stuff. <laughs> but those things are going to help you um, build like Terra, like actual vegetation on Mars, um, which is going to help get you some oxygen level, um, get some water on there. They're going to help. It's going to help with the climate. So you're trying to like augment those things to make Mars habitable. And then those things are also triggering off of your cards to help you get like maybe animals or like microbes or something um, can be produced on there, um, helping you generate these different kinds of resources that are going to allow you to keep making Mars better. Um, again, multiple ways to play, multiple ways to use your cards. You know, you could go after big cards. You could try and collect like microbes or whatever on your cards. You can try to just like build a bunch of trees or put a bunch of water, like get some settlements down. Lots of different ways to approach this. And there's so many cards and things involved that I feel like every game comes out so different. Um, I like it at a variety of player counts. Um, two is good. I think I've played it at four, and I liked it at four, too. Um, I, I just think it's a really great game. So my number 37, Terraforming Mars. Oh, yeah, I agree. I already talked about this. Everything you said I agree with. You probably like it better than me because you're better than me, which is normal. But, yeah, it's good. All right, so my number 36, we've already talked about it in the games played. Spoiler, it's the bloody end. Um, everything I said earlier with what this game is. I enjoy playing it a lot. I love the art. I think the art is is really good. Um, I like the artist. He, The artist did Whirling Witchcraft, which also has the similar kind of feel. Not as macabre, but I, I like the art. So, Bloody Inn, cool card game where you're trying to kill off guests and score the most points. So I'm not going to belabor the point anymore. My 36, the Bloody Inn. Yeah, I talked about it a couple weeks ago. And like I said at the top, it's tight. It's simple, but good, like hard decisions. It's just good. My number 36 is from one of my favorite IPs. This game is a co-op, which I don't always love. And it's a co-op that beats you around, which I also don't love. But, oh, it's so thematic that I adore it. And that is Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Um, in this, It's the deck builder, which I love. So that's a big plus for it. And you're playing one of the characters from the franchise, which I love because not only am, oh, I get to play Hermione, but I also have specific cards that make sense for her. Um, she's got her Hogwarts a history, you know, she's got her cat Crookshanks, um, you know, and her special powers like help out other people um, when she uses spells because she's good at spells. Like, I just love the little thematic thought that was put into this game. So everyone's using their character deck 
to fight the baddies. You've got Death Eaters to go through um, as you move on in the chapters. And this is a really scalable game that you can add more villains and eventually add like the Horcruxes that you have to kill, um, rolling some house die, like those things kind of add on as you go on. So if you want to even start this with like kids, not super young, but like youngish that enjoy Harry Potter, like there's a way to really build up their playing experience. And for me as well, like Jason refuses. He just is like, we're going to play with all seven books and throws it all together. And you're like, ah, yep. we died already. This is a game that is harder the more players you have. You think that it's going to be easier because like, oh, all these people are attacking. It is not because you get attacked every round and like kind of um, – and Jason actually has made this harder than the game actually is. So that's probably why we've lost so many times. Right. The last time we played it, we did play it right. We did. We did. <laughs> I think we still lost. Yeah, I think so. Um, but these Death Eaters have different conditions that can slap you around when certain things happen. So you're trying to keep that. You know, when you get stunned, they're taking over at locations. Like, if you're playing on the more advanced chapters, like, you have to kill all the Horcruxes before you can actually go after Voldemort. You have to kill the Death Eaters before you get to Voldemort. Like, it's it's so thematic. You've got these great cards that you can buy on the market that are from the franchise, and they, like, really trigger together in thematic ways. Um, like, you know, Neville is a healer, and he's helping take care of people. And, like, if you have a certain combo with the Weasleys, like, they can do extra things, which makes sense. Like... It's just a really fun game. If you love Harry Potter, like, oh, man, you got to check this out. I just think and I think there's there can be a lot of really great combos that come out of this as far as a deck builder goes. And just thematically, it's really great. So my number three, six, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Yeah, that'll be coming in an upcoming video for me. Ah, uh, my number 35 is a game. I don't know. It has the same theme as Seven Wonders, but it's like a thousand times better than that game. And it's called Hadara. So in this game, what you're doing is you're effectively drafting cards off this board. There's five different locations. And each, when you go to a location, you're going to take two cards. You have an option. You can either discard one for two coins or keep it on your board and pay the amount that it costs. And then the other card you have to put in a discard pile on the location. So you're basically giving the car, other card away for other people to possibly take in a future turn. And then after you've gone through all five locations, then we're going to go back through the locations and look at the cards that have been discarded. And we're going to like bid on them and all that kind of thing to try to get the cards that we want. Um, and you're just trying to build up your civilization with the five colors. You're trying to get uh, as many points as you can. You're trying to move up tracks. You're trying to build statues, which are basically like tokens that you're going to put on when you reach a certain amount of civilization points. Um, it, it's fun. It's it's kind of thinky, but it's also not super long. Like you can bust this game out even four players in like an hour, because everybody's kind of doing stuff all at the same time, which is nice. Uh, I, I like it. Um, if you can find a copy, I would say get it. It's fun. If you like Seven Wonders, play this instead because it's better. Um, so yeah, so my number thirty five, Hadara. Uh, yeah, I will talk about this in a couple weeks. I really like it. Yeah, I, I know you like it more than me. <laughs> in fact, I'd like to play it again. Um, my number 35, Jason has already talked about, I think, on a f previous podcast. And it is Abomination, the Era of Frankenstein. So this is not the only plot hat game that I like. Um, but I really, I really like it. And people kind of dogged it for a while and said it took too long and they wanted this Igor variant. In a two-player game, I never found that because I was always wanting more time to um, build more parts of my monster to make it better. Um, it's at this dark macabre theme where you're going around and you're collecting body parts to make your own creature to so Frankenstein or Christine Frank Hi Shabrina. So Frankenstein's creature isn't lonely. Like, what's more beautiful than that? Like Sure, you may have to shank some people in an alleyway or, you know, grab a body off the guillotine, but... Sometimes people have to die. Sometimes. C circle, circle of life. <laughs> you have to make use of what you got to bring some happiness to a creature. Um, you're also balancing then your reputation, um, your... What is it called? Not morality, but your... Humanity. Humanity. Um, as, you're, as you're doing these things... I love that kind of darker, creepy theme. I don't know what that says about me as a person, but I, I just really 
I really enjoy this game. Um, and I think maybe the two at two players is where I like it. Even with three, I was kind of like, you know what? You're taking too long on your turn and I want to get back to what I'm doing. <laughs> so I like that too. Um, but it's, it's, it's so good. So if you haven't checked it out and you like any of that stuff, um, I didn't even say what type of game it is. Worker placement, um, set collection kind of stuff. Go after this game. It is, it's really good. I don't care what people say. So whatever 35 is Abomination, The Air of Frankenstein. I mean, clearly people like it. I just looked it up. It's like 1,035 on BGG, which is pretty high. So okay. all the haters can just shush. <laughs> Shut your mouth. So my number 34 is a failed game. And it's probably one of the failed games that I always forget about because I have it in a section over here that's not in the failed section because it's too big. And it's called Amerigo. So this is a, a game from Queen. It's in a hu- the huge big box from them. Probably in a bigger box than it needs to be because there's really not a lot going on in that box. Um, but what you're doing in this is you are effectively exploring um, land. And you're trying to collect different resources. And you're trying to build trading posts on these land to score points. But the way that you're doing that is you're going to be taking certain color cubes. Each round, there's going to be, or each turn, there's going to be a different color of cube dropped into this cube tower, kind of like the Shogun cube tower. And then whatever comes out are the actions that are available. And whichever color has the most come out is how strong each of those actions can be. So if I throw green in there and green, red, yellow, and black come out, and there's three black, I can do three actions three action points of any of those four actions that came out. So, you know, I need black or their cannons. They're going to help me defend against pirates that are going to attack. Green is going to let me, I think, buy some tiles. Um, yellow is going to be like a merchant tile where I'm trying to get multipliers to sc- multiply all the resource tiles that I've gathered. Just a whole bunch of stuff that's going on to score the most points because it is failed and he loves giving you points. Um, it's simple, kind of. I mean, once you get through the first round, it's just going to do that three more times. And then whoever has the most points at the end of all that is the winner. I like it. Probably not my favorite failed. That's why it's 34. But I like it better than some of his other games for sure. So, yeah. If you haven't played it and you like failed, give it a go. 34, Amerigo. I never know if I like failed or not. I always am like, eh, I don't know that I do. And then I'm like, oh, I like that game. I like the game. You, you like the this problem. one, right? I, I do like this one. Um, I think, I feel like I can't connect the name with the game. I've only, I maybe played it twice it's not on my list at all but i think it's because i felt like i couldn't remember it well enough to to rate it um but i do like it so i'm i may be better next year and put that on my list um my number 34 is a newer game and we just got a copy of it to own it and so i think um it's place maybe falsely inflated from my thoughts back on it but I imagine the more I play it, it'll probably stay up here. And that's Smartphone Inc. Um, I don't know who designed this. I don't know who made it. It's, um, I'm, I'm looking right at it. It's Arcane Wonders, brought it to America, but Cosmodrome Games was the initial publisher. Designer? Okay. No idea. No idea. I can't read that. Okay, cool. Um, but I think this is neat because I really like that it's a different theme. It's a theme that makes sense. So you're really starting this smartphone empire across the world. And so you've got to set up distribution points. And you have to get um, certain types, types of technology in your phone that people want in different areas. Um, trying to sell units. Like, there's a lot of economics in this game. Um, but I find that since they are they thematically make sense... And it's part of like the natural flow of, oh, if I ran a smartphone company, it doesn't, it does, it's not as difficult as like other games where I'm like, this is economic, this is stupid. Power Grid, I'm looking at you. Um, So I feel like there's really a natural progression for it. And I like that. I like that that theme is really integrated well. It makes sense. Um, I think because I won maybe last time we played it that I had such a good feeling about it. But that idea of like, where do I invest in tech and what areas of what am I going to work in and um, what kind of phones am I going to produce? I I just really like the mechanics of it. I think it's really good. So that's why it's so high on my list. Number 34, Smartphone Inc. The designer of this also designed Furnace. Ah. Ivan Lashin is his name. Probably not how you say it because he's Russian, but that's how it looks to me. Apparently I like Ivan. Yeah. Those are the only two games I know, but those are solid games. Two games in my 30s. All right, my number 33, I'm not 100% sure. This is not the first VTAL game, because one of them is not even in my top 100. 
but this is probably the lowest of the rest of the ones that I like. Spoiler. And this wow. one is Kanban. Um, this is the his his foray into running a car factory. Um, it's probably in Portugal because he likes to set everything in Portugal. It doesn't <laughs> say that, but I'm just making that assumption. I'm sure it is. Well, the problem is the Kanban concept is Japanese, so... Oh, that's true. But this factory is in Portugal. We know that. Sure. Um, so what you're doing in this is you are effectively... You're trying to get um, blueprints to build cars. You're trying to get parts to put in said cars. You're trying to get cars to the test track to test them out to make sure they're going to run correctly. And then you're going to get them in your garage to score some points. That's the flow of the game. But the way you're doing that is you're doing this worker placement thing at each of the four different locations. There's two spots at each location. The first spot gives you more action points at the location. The second spot gives you uh, the ability to take those actions, but you get less action points. And then wherever you go, you're going to take the actions of where you are. But in this one, you're also going to have Sandra, which is this little pink meeple. She's going to be coming around and she's going to be inspecting your work. She can either be nice and give the person who's doing the best a reward, or she can be mean and give the person who's doing the worst a punishment. Um, so I like to play the mean one because, or the, the nice one because I don't like the mean one. But Vital said the mean one is the way that you're supposed to play it, but what does he know? Um, <laughs> so don't I, you I don't bad mouth Uncle Vital. <laughs> I don't play this game a lot because most people that I've played it with don't like it. Um, it doesn't have a solo variant that I know of, at least not my old and busted version of it. The new one, the fancy $129 one might, but I don't have that. But I like this game. I like the theme. I like the way that all the pieces work together. Um, I like the way Sandra works. The only part I don't like is when you have to go to the meeting into the boardroom and you're like flipping these chairs to score points based on these cards you have. I think that part's dumb, but the rest of the game I really enjoy. So my number 33, Kanban. I hate this game. <laughs> you hate I- it? Yes, you're. I feel like it's a game about a car factory, so I should get points for building cars. That didn't you happen. You get points for building cars. You just have to take 19 other steps before you can get those points for building that car. I don't. Uh, I mean, I, I guess in true fashion, I will give it another go. I need. We need like a new second chances um, episode. But as of right now, I hate this game. It's one of my lowest Vital games. You're so wrong. CO2 is way worse. I never played that one either. It's way worse. Just take my word for it. All right, we'll see. My number 33, I talked about its companion, its successor game, but I like this game better. And also because one of our darling Rooted members sent me a 3D printed um, like holder for all the stuff organizer, and it's awesome. And so my number 33 is Castles of Mad King Ludwig. I love this game. You're building a castle. Um, there are certain rooms set out as goals that the king wants in the castle, but you're also trying to... Um, score the most points by putting rooms next to rooms that they kind of score and are harmonious with. I just chuck that out the window and say, hey, let's just make a really fun castle that makes sense to me and has a lot of dungeon rooms. And I get off track on this game, but I really don't care. (laughs) I just think it's fun. I really like that. Um, And so I love to play it. It is so much easier having a good tray insert for this. Um, so now I can just like take out the trays and all of my rooms are set out there with type. I don't have to put piles everywhere and sort through crap. That was the worst part about it. But now that it's set up easier, oh my gosh, it's so fun. I played this at Nerdapalooza and I was like, yes, I still absolutely love this game. So my number 33, Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Yeah, this will be in another upcoming video for me. But yeah, I do like it. Just you play it way more than me and you like it more than me. I enjoy it, but yeah, not as much as you. Mm. My number 32 is a game that I like quite a bit. And uh, I would play this a lot more, but it's kind of long. And that is Concordia. This is a game where you're moving ships and people around different maps. I say different maps because there are a lot of different maps. And you're trying to build different types of buildings to generate production, score points, based on different cards that you have in your hand. The interesting thing about this game is when you play a card down, the card's out of your hand until you play the card that allows you to pick all your cards back up so you can have it again. So you're basically, it's a pass turn, but you're not completely doing nothing because you're going to be able to build some people, some buildings and score some money based on how many of the other cards you previously played. So as you get more cards, you acquire more cards, you're going to have more options of things to play, and you're going to have to do that less often. But at the beginning, you know, every six or seven turns, you're going to be playing that card. 
Um, it's a fun game. It's ancient Greece theme, I think. I don't know what the, the theme is. But, um, I think it's y- Roman, actually. But Greece, Rome, whatever. Um, it's not America. We all, I love America. Um, it's not Canada either. It could be Canada, Canacordia, but it's not. Anyway, we've <laughs> I've gone off track. Uh, my number thirty-two, great game, Concordia. I really like this one. Like a couple episodes more than you. Really wow, like this nice. one. I didn't realize you liked it that much. I didn't either <laughs> until I saw it. I'm like, hmm. I think yeah, I'll talk about it in a few weeks why I like it so much. Uh, my number thirty-two is an Uncle Vito game because I love him. Kanban. Yeah. No. <laughs> I say I love him, but then I'm like, I hate Kanban. I probably won't ever play CO2. I don't know. But the ones from him that I like, I really like. Um, and so my number 32 is Lisboa. Uh, I previously had a bad experience with this game. Um, and I know y'all can guess who I had the bad experience with. Uh, it was Joel. Well, in his defense, <laughs> he, didn't he, know. Didn't, he didn't teach this game, I don't think. I think I taught the game. So... It could. It's partially on me on this one. I don't think you taught the game. Oh, maybe I didn't. I thought I did. No, maybe I didn't. He might have had it before. He might have played it before me, and then he, he taught it. And then, did. Then I relearned it, and we played it again. Um, the first time I played it, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, what? Like every turn, I'm like, I, what can I do? Like I honestly don't know. Now that I have played it again, I always think I was also tired the first time we played it because I'm like I'm not ready for this. Um, is this the one that we played though, where where Uncle Vital watched us play one time? Yeah, he told us not to ignore the boats. Yeah, Uncle Vital was, was it watching that, the live Was stream. it the terrible time where I'm like I feel like I'm a moron and Uncle Vital is watching? Yeah, it could be. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was. There was a lot of anxiety there. Um, you know, when when your Portuguese uncle is watching you, and you're like, "I'm too stupid to play this game." It doesn't go well. Um, since then, it has gotten better. I understand the actions. Um, in this, you're rebuilding the city of Lisboa, Lisbon, which is in Portugal. So you're trying to put these buildings out, and you're trying to get goods. You're trying to and ship them out. You're trying to influence. Um, different political figures like the theme is kind of loose on the ground for me on this one um but there's just lots of different places to manage and they're all kind of interrelated and so it's like okay i want to do this how do i do that well i need to go here and build this up and then also go here and have this thing that's true vital fashion um also that you're able to kind of piggyback off other players turns and certain actions that they take so you're always involved um the artwork I've mentioned this before, looks like Canadian money. <laughs> um, it's definitely the queen's money, any type of queen, in my opinion, uh, which I think it looks cool. Like, I like the artwork. It is challenging. It will push your brain absolutely because so many things are linked together and you have to have all these different pieces built together um, in order to get things going. But because of that, I feel like there are, in some ways, multiple paths to victory, different things that you can pay attention to more than others. Uh, Uncle Vital says, don't ignore the ships. I don't know that I really understand them very well. Um, but every time I play this, I feel myself getting more comfortable with it, even though it's it's still a challenge and a puzzle. So um, my number 32 is Lisboa. Yeah, I'll talk about this one later. But the thing I like about it is you have your own little individual player aid. It's like a book. It's like a pamphlet mm-hmm. that kind of walks you through what each action does. So as yes. far as teaching games goes, this one is probably the easiest because that book is super helpful. It's not the easiest game of his to play, no. but it's the easiest one to teach because that book is there. Uh, my number 31 is Marty Wallace. We're back with some Marty Wallace. Uh, Katie loves this game. It's probably her favorite <laughs> Martin Wallace game. <laughs> no. And uh, this one is called Brass. And I've played the new one, but we own the old and busted one with the guy with his hand up in the air looking all regal and stuff. Um, this is effectively a network building game. You're building train tracks and canals to ship goods from production buildings to other buildings so you can use them to build those buildings, which are going to generate more goods to use for other buildings, that kind of thing. Uh, Eventually, you're going to flip up. Once the resources get depleted, you're going to flip the tile over, and it's going to be worth some points at the end of the game. Uh, You're trying to just build the best network, get the most tiles out that you can, have the most efficient production line that you can. So no matter where you build, you're always going to have some stuff to build. 
There's also some ports that you can sell goods for points. Um, some of that's kind of kind of convoluted. Actually, a lot of it's kind of convoluted, but I enjoy it anyway. It doesn't look the greatest. It's a lot of tan and brown, but I like Martin Wallace design. I think the, the network and resource management stuff is interesting. So my number 31, brass. It doesn't look the greatest is the biggest understatement I've heard probably <laughs> this month. Um, this, this game is stupid. And it's not about Martin Wallace. Uh, spoiler alert, I have a Marty Wallace game in my top 10, but it sure as heck ain't brass. <laughs> this game is dumb. It's awful. <laughs> I hate it. Um, my last one for this week is a game we backed on Kickstarter, actually. See, we oh, do. Yeah. We every once in a while pay for games. And I loved it because it took me back to like early biology class. We we're learning about Punnett squares and Gregor Mendel and the monk that planted these pea plants and cross pollinated. And I learned about genetics. And this game is genotype. So in genotype, you are. Um, working with the monks and you are planting pea plants. And so you're trying to get um, certain traits in your pea plants, you know, dominant and recessive. You're using gardening tools to make things grow well. Um, and it's all through like this dice drafting um, piece. But you can also kind of manipulate that as well. Like there's just lots of neat little things going on in this game. Like I love that. Um so you're scoring points um, through getting your traits, I think, like me- ma- matching these traits. Um, yes, on, on the pea plant cards, yeah. With your plants and cards. It's really not difficult to play. The idea of like, oh my gosh, we're going to play this game about genetics. But it's not a hard game to play. I think it would be real a really fun educational tool, even if you're learning about Punnett squares and things. Um, the artwork is cute, like, it's, and for me, it's a very relaxing game about gardening rather than being kind of a hyped-up game about genetics. I just really like it. So number 31 is Genotype. Yeah, it looks incredible. Like, I think I'm actually talking about this later. Ooh. I'm not 100% sure. I, I, I forget how to search and stuff because I'm not smart. But uh, Control F. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Well, uh, <laughs> yes, I am talking about it later because I like this game quite a bit. I think we need to play it more. I want to pull it out more because I think it might sound intimidating to people, but I think if we just make them play it, then they'll find it's not that hard. Yeah, it, it does seem intimidating because, yeah, it has a lot going on and it's nerdy. It's a super nerdy, like smart theme. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's recap our 40 through 31 list for you. All right, my number 40 is Seven Wonders Duel. <laughs> my number 39 is the Belgian Beers Race. 38, Paris. 37, Deep Blue. 36, The Bloody Inn. 35, Hadara. 34, not Floor. Amerigo. 33, Kanban. 32, Concordia. And 31, Katie's favorite game of all time, Brass. You're rude. Uh, My number 40 is Tekenu, Obelisk of the Sun. 39, Furnace. 38, Clank. 37, Terraforming Mars. 36, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. 35, Abomination, The Air of Frankenstein. 34, Smartphone Inc. 33, Castles of Mad King Ludwig. 32, Lisboa. And my number 31 is Genotype. So um, we have, I think, slacked recently and haven't done a Facebook Live in a while about our 100 outside of our 100. But we will do another one soon, counting down those games from our 100 to 200 spots, because there are still a ton of good games out there. Uh, Several of you have also given us feedback saying, hey, here's my top so many games. Yes, I love it. Keep doing it. Keep telling me about that. If we mention a new game, you're like, oh, I don't know anything about that. That sounds cool. Let us know. Hit up our Facebook page. If you're not, if you're on Facebook and not a member of hashtag the riveted, what are you waiting for? Great group, wonderful people, new people jumping in all the time. Love to hear from you guys on there. Send us your Insta photos. You know, when you get your copy of Weather Machine, you know, tweet us about it and rub it in. That's fine. And always there's YouTube where we've got videos. Jason's still pumping those things out. He's going back through some of our older games that he just was like, hey, let's make a video about this. So new, different stuff all the time on our YouTube page. So YouTube page. So like, subscribe, click on the bell and um, recommend a friend, man. We we love to find more people that are into games 
Um, and we love to hear from you guys. Yeah. And also we have a giveaway going right now with our friends over at the board game rundown. We are giving away two games, clinic deluxe, Harry Potter house competition. They are giving away two games. Go check them out to see what they're giving away. I'm not going to spoil it. And if you want to enter, there's ways to enter on our channel. There's ways to enter on their channel. And after a couple weeks, we'll pick some winners and you'll win some games. So if you want free games, which, I mean, who doesn't want a free game? Right. Go do the thing with the stuff to get the entries to win the game. Um, I have a video on the YouTube channel on how to do ours. There's also it's posted on our Twitter, posted on our Facebook. I did a video on Instagram. So all of our socials, you can find where the link is. It's not hidden. It's not hard. So go check that out. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening and connecting with us. Um, we really appreciate it. I know it's a busy time, but hopefully you've got some time now to play some games. So I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Ah!